Thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Freed Thinker Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Vela. On this episode, I'm going to be replying. Uh, it's going to be a pretty short episode. I'm just going to do a couple quick comments. Uh, replying to an episode that Leighton Flowers did over at Soteriology 101. Responding to my previous podcast episode uh, dealing with the fragility of libertarian incompatibilism. And he made some comments there that I want to respond to. Uh, so as always, if you like this content, why don't you uh, subscribe to the podcast? You can always become a sponsor by clicking on the Become a Sponsor link. You can head on over to Patreon and be a sponsor there. Um, and you can find us if you want uh, not only the content here, but you want some apologetics content dealing with uh, atheism and skepticism and things like that. Uh, that is what the Freed Thinker YouTube channel is for. So you can head on over to the Freed Thinker YouTube channel uh, to see some apologetics content over there as well. Some debates and discussions uh, there. So if you're not already subscribed, go on over, uh, subscribe and click the bell so you can know that you uh, that there's new content for you. All right. So with that, let's dive right in and talk about latent flowers and libertarian freedom. Enjoy the show. All right, so based on my episode that I did dealing with the fragility of libertarian incompatibilism, Leighton Flowers over at Soteriology 101 gave a response episode to it, and people wanted me to reply. It's been a little bit of time. Uh, I'm just now getting back to it. My computer was actually out in the shop <laughs> for like almost two months because uh, apparently those little those little spinner helicopters, those little flimsy plastic ones that kids spin in their hands, uh, if one of those comes in contact with the touchscreen... Apparently, they're strong enough to, to knock out an entire touchscreen, and since I have an all-in-one, my entire computer went in. So uh, I've been I've been away from this for a little bit, trying to catch up and get some new content uh, out for you. So it has been a while since I uh, since he put his episode out, but I will put a link in the show notes. So <clears throat> what did I think of his response? Well, it's basically what I expected. I mean, I love Leighton, but it was just kind of question-begging of his incompatibilism, and all of his critiques of my compatibilism and my arguments just presupposed his incorrect view that compatibilism is identical with deterministic incompatibilism, which is really because he doesn't, he's not able to distinguish between different various uh, varieties of determinism. And often he just kind of missed my point. Like he missed it when I spoke about the majority of philosophers and such, which wasn't an appeal to authority. And it doesn't matter actually why uh, that, 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 that many of them aren't Christian. I'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in this episode. Also, he did uh, a couple of really weird things. He did two strange things. First, he basically became a compatibilist for a few minutes in saying that God can determine my choice so long as my choice is because it's what I want to do. 
Now, he caveats that to be that so long as God doesn't determine those desires, which I think gets into a very weird anthropology that God creates me, but doesn't actually create anything specific about me. So I often ask libertarians when, when they say, well, well, that just means God created your desires. And I say, okay, well, if it wasn't my desires, what is it about me that determines what I do? And it ends up being, well, nothing about me determines what I do, which means I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't make my own choices. Uh, so it gets into a very weird uh, anthropology at that point. So he gets into that our desires do determine our choices. Now, that's a big concession from him. I don't know if he's moved in that direction or if he misspoke or maybe I heard him wrong and there, someone can, can, can you know, find that audio clip and give me some clarity. But I mean, he based, he based it and said God can determine it so long as the choice is because we want to do, which just is conditional ability, not categorical ability. Um, and conditional ability is completely compatible with compatibilism. So uh, the second thing that he does is he makes a kind of a weird distinction between God determining something and not someone. Here, the problems are pretty manifold. What, what does it mean for God to sovereignly determine the crucifixion, but not determine any of the agents to actually perform the crucifixion? Um, and no, the police and the sting do not determine the drug sale on his view. They set it up so that it might happen, but that's not determining something. So he also made other strange claims. He completely collapsed God's determinism of X with that we do not choose X, which is normal for him. But he missed the entire point of the first principled position. It's It just is a fact that libertarian incompatibilism, it's literally in the title of the, of the position, just is the position that any kind of determinism and any kind of freedom that, that's, founding, that, that's foundational for more responsibility are in principle incompatible. That's why I called it incompatibilism, because that's the right word for it. So when he tried to get out of the fact that I said I just need to show a single exception to that, where some choice or action is both determined and free because that would show that they are not in principle incompatible, he completely missed the point there. He focused on that I said something and not someone, but clearly when we're talking about free will and say that God determines something and that it's free, we just mean people's choices. People's choices are something. My, my choice is not identical to myself. My choice is not a person. My, my choosing something, the act of me freely choosing, is not, is not a person in and of itself. It's a thing. It's something I do. It's an action. It's an expression of a faculty I have. However you want to say it, um, it is a something that God determines. But again, I don't even know what it means to say that, that God determines what I'll choose, but he doesn't determine me. I, I, so I'm not exactly sure what that means. Now, Leighton's, again, Leighton's a nice guy, but I, I think this really, this episode really was a miss for Flowers. I, I've even had other libertarians who are trained philosophers sign off that this is a, that my arguments about the fragility of libertarianism are really challenging arguments that they have to overcome. And by the way, a lot of them aren't my arguments. I'm just trying to fine tune them and find uh, ways to express them to you all that are a little bit easier to understand what's in the literature. I'm not inventing these types of arguments. Again, that, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that the argument isn't defeasible. But it just doesn't succumb to some of the, the, the very trivial rejoinders that Flowers gives. 
Now, because some have asked me to respond to Flowers' video to my episode on libertarian incompatibilism again, I don't typically do, you know, responses to responses and, and then they'll give a response and I'll give a response and it just never ends. Specifically on his, but, but I've been specifically asked to talk about his main argument, his main critique, which by the way, um, didn't really address my main argument, but, that, but that's somewhat of an aside. <clears throat> it was a, a side response to a side comment that I made, uh, but it was like his biggest like gotcha moment in the video. So we'll talk about that. So I just didn't think it really, I didn't really think it needed to be added because I had to, I had done like a short response on Facebook. I didn't think it really needed to be added in that response, but you know, here, here we are. So uh, Flowers and his listeners seem to be confused on my, again, sub point, in saying that the majority of philosophers and theologians through the ages have not been incompatibilists. Flowers said a couple of times that this was an appeal to majority. No, it's not. Again, if someone's going to use a fallacy, please understand what the fallacy is. Leighton, I love you, but please, if you're going to accuse someone of fallacy, understand what the fallacy is. That's not an appeal to majority fallacy. People need to stop thinking that any any statement, any 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 recognition to scholars and academics and majority views is an appeal to majority or authority fallacy. It's not. Unless someone is saying that their view is true or that we ought to believe it's true contrary to other arguments, that it's true just because the majority or authority says so, Unless someone does that, it's not a fallacy. So a consensus among experts is a condition that can increase our warrant for belief that something is true, and we're entitled to point out when that is the case. So we can say, look, it adds warrant to my belief that the majority, the overwhelming majority of experts in the field hold that same position. That doesn't, that's not saying my position is true because they, they have that, or you have to believe that it's true because the majority do, but it's not a fallacy to say that, that that's an important detail and it adds warrant to a case. It's not a fallacy when it's used that way. So uh, that, that just, we should stop using fallacies when we don't know what they mean. Okay, next, Flowers made the assertion that most theistic philosophers are libertarian incompatibilists. Now, this is a negative inference fallacy and moves from the following. And by the way, yes, this is an actual fallacy. He moves from A, most philosophers are not, are not incompatibilists. B, most philosophers are not Christians or theists. To see, therefore, most Christian theist philosophers are not, or sorry, uh, most Christian theists are not compatibilists or are are incompatibilists, right? So let me let me say that again. He moves from the, the the conjunction that most philosophers are incompatibilists, but also most philosophers are not Christian. To therefore the negative inference of that, which is a negative inference fallacy, that therefore most Christian philosophers are incompatibilists, right? Um, so that that just is a fallacy. The flowers and company simply cannot move from the conjunction of A and B to C. So where do they support that most Christian philosophers are incompatibilists? 
I have no idea. I don't know where they're getting that from. I've never seen a survey, current, uh, current or otherwise, uh, of of Christian thinkers, present or through history, and, and, and telling us that. And considering that libertarian incompatibilism is a somewhat newer theory in the past century or so, is articulated that way, I'd be extremely surprised how they would support that the majority of Christian philosophers and theologians through church history have held that view. Now, there have certainly been views that may be broadly considered libertarian, but since these debates were often not formed in the ways that we do now, I'm not confident that they would have thought that somehow was in principle contrary to divine determinism. But that's the topic for a whole nother, whole nother post or a whole nother episode. Next, even if we grant that the majority of Christian philosophers and theologians hold or held to incompatibilist views, which again, we have no evidence for that, it's just an assertion, it's actually irrelevant to why I brought up the majority view in the first place. I was not arguing to the conclusion that therefore compatibilism is true. Right? I wasn't saying because it's the majority, therefore compatibilism is true. Again, that would be an appeal to majority fallacy. My only point is that considering the fact that libertarian incompatibilism is a principled position, something I think Flowers also didn't, again, just I don't think he grasped that, that, that it's a principled position, their burden of proof is to demonstrate without begging the question that all concepts of determinism and all concept of freedom and responsibility are in principle contradictory. That is, there can be no free action whereby it's both determined and freely chosen in a manner sufficient for moral responsibility. The whole point of my episode was to show that if we can provide even one exception to the principle, then that position is falsified. This is why I said it's fragile, because all principled positions are fragile and can be falsified by a simple single exception. Now, because that's their burden, I merely was stating that they cannot presume that there is a principled contradiction and argue then from that presumption. That's to beg the question. They have to demonstrate it. That is why I brought up the majority of philosophers, because the majority of experts trained in, in philosophical disciplines do not see a principled contradiction between any and all forms of determinism and any and all forms of free will sufficient for moral responsibility. That's all that I need for my point to go through. It does not matter if 100% of philosophers were atheists or theists or deists or whatever. Their worldview is irrelevant to the issue I was addressing because if a single exception could be shown where something could be both determined and freely chosen sufficient for more responsibility, the view is false. That is a worldview neutral question as much as worldviews can be neutral in the narrow sense. My only point is that the most experts in the field dealing with the philosophy of action, which is the discipline where we find freedom of, all, uh, of the will theories, do not agree that there is a principled contradiction between determinism and freedom and moral responsibility, and they give arguments and examples for that. Again, the over, it's, it's like 65% as of the last survey of professional philosophers are compatibilists. Only something like, I think it was like 13%, right? There's other views in there too, were libertarian incompatibilists. In fact, there were as many determinist 
incompatible, as hard determinists in professional philosophers as there were libertarian incompatibilists. Those are, they're just radically minority positions. So th there, there are plenty of people who have have no problem understanding that there is some form of determinism that is that is compatible with sufficiently uh, free actions that's sufficient to ground moral responsibility. So therefore, again, this is why I was bringing it up. Therefore, the libertarian incompatibilist must prove that there is and that there is this incompatibilist. There's this principled contradiction between determinism and any type of freedom. Uh, they can't assume that it just is an quote-unquote obvious fact or true by definition or some other such special pleading rhetoric. They just can't do that because it's not an obvious fact to the majority of, uh, of, uh, of pro trained professionals in this discipline. And it's not true by definition. There are lots of definitions of freedom and determinism that are entirely compatible with each other. So you cannot just beg the question. That's my only point in bringing up the majority of philosophers. You cannot beg the question of it, not that therefore my position is true. So I hope that made sense. I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode uh, and my previous episode dealing with libertarian freedom and, and again, why the free will argument um, is not, or free will uh, theodicy is not a good argument. I address some of that there. I talk about some of the reasons not only do the majority of philosophers uh, not, uh, not, ha not they don't find this principled problem, they're not incompatibilists, uh, but also that uh, when, when incompatibilists want to say, well, it's an obvious fact, true by definition, it's just the folk view. No, it's not again. I've 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 given study after study showing that it's not the folk view. It's sometimes the folk view, and it's sometimes not the folk view. The folk view isn't a view. It's complicated. It's very very complicated, and the same people will give different answers and have radically different intuitions depending on how the questions are asked and what type of questions and what type of situations. And if they're thinking about it in the abstract or if they're thinking about it in concrete examples in their own life, it's wildly more complex and nuanced than just, well, the folk view just is libertarian incompatibilism. It's not. You need to stop saying that. So given that that that, that was my point, Flowers' comments, similar to his comments about most else of what I said, simply missed the whole point. And thus he came up with just kind of fistfuls of straw again on nearly every response he gave to my episode. Again, I, I, I love the man, um, but uh, I, I think he really should go back and try to listen to understand first uh, before listening to just give uh, objections. So hope you appreciated this episode. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, commendations, or condemnations, please feel free to reach out to me at freedthinkerpodcast at gmail.com. You can find the blog, freedthinkerpodcast.blogspot.com, or why not join the discussion? Come on over to the Freedthinker group page on Facebook or the discussions that happen over at the videos at the Freedthinker YouTube channel. Again, thank you so much. Good night and God bless.